0: The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known.
0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm glad you've joined us for today's broadcast. Every path leads somewhere. Every path leads somewhere. And we can use our best judgment to determine which path we'd like to take. And many that I speak with, even Christians, say as long as I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I can then take whatever path I choose, if it's not an evil path, if it's a good path. Many good paths will take you straight to hell remember it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil what you may think is a good path may be a hell-bound path you see there is there is a way we must judge what path we are on and that is not by our own desires it is by the scripture it is by the scripture that we find the identity of the path we're on and by the scripture that we determine where the end of that path is to be found. There's a passage of scripture in Proverbs 14:12. There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So you may say, I'm on a wonderful path and I'm on my way to heaven. But you're on a path that leads you away from heaven. You're on a path that that may seem right to you. It may feel good. It may look beautiful. But in the end, there's only death. There's another passage of scripture. It's found in Romans, the sixth chapter. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? If the path you are on, my brother, my sister, if the path you're on still allows you to walk in sin, And you make excuses for it, and you say, Oh, I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm good to go. No, you are not. The question is not, have you received Jesus Christ? The question is, will Jesus Christ receive you? See, we can all say, Oh, I I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And then be on a path that leads us straight to death, to hell. We read, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So the path that is one that leads to life goes directly through crucifixion. Well, what is crucifixion? It is the death of the old man, the old nature. It is death to the alcohol, it is death to the smoking, it is death to the immorality, it is death to the lust of my heart, it's death to my ambition, it's death to everything in my heart that is in opposition to the glory of God. Now I say one more thing, it is death to witchcraft. What is witchcraft? Witchcraft is when I say things and act in ways by which I try to manipulate the spirit realm to give me what I want. A man called me this morning, just before I came on air, and he said, Pastor, would you pray for God's favor on me? God answers your prayers, and I need God's favor. I said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want God's favor. How much time have you spent over the weekend and these two days so far reading scripture, fasting, praying? Oh, Pastor, I haven't had time. I've had family and friends. We've been very busy. I said, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want God's favor. So you're trying to get me to pray for God's favor in your life because you think God will listen to me. But you've done absolutely nothing to gain the favor of God. You want his favor. But God wants you to favor him by being crucified, by dying to self, by giving up even friends and family. Yes, I'll pray for you. And so I began to pray. I began to say, Oh God, will you give this dear man the desire to favor you over all else? Will you help him to see that he's trying to get from you, but he doesn't want to give? And so his witchcraft is to try to influence the spirit realm when he is unholy when he is not given over to the gospel of Jesus Christ and so we we try to manipulate God it doesn't work I want to read another passage of scripture for you Let me turn to it quickly. It's over here in the book of Ephesians. As for you, this is Ephesians, the second chapter. As for you, you were dead in transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Do you understand? He has a tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can follow the tree of the knowledge of good, following the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Now, please, I'm going to say this, and it's going to be hard for some of you, but God has a very specific path laid out for you, and he cares what path you take. A man said to me, oh, pastor, the Apostle Paul says I can marry anybody I want to marry. Wrong. Not true. The Apostle Paul was speaking in the context of people who've been crucified with Christ. And in that context of being crucified with Christ living not in your own way, but in the way of the gospel of Jesus, and the woman also walking in the way of Jesus, having been crucified with Christ. Now, you're led to marry one another? Yes, God is in that. But to think that you can just go out and marry whomever you choose, that you can take whatever job you want to take, that you can do whatever you choose to do, that you can seek to earn all of the money because you have a lust for money and you worship at the idol of money. Oh, no, pastor, I don't worship money. I'll do wonderful things with it. I just want to have millions of dollars so I can do the work of the gospel. Are you kidding me? Come on. Don't feed me that line. I've been around too long. I've watched too many men destroy their lives by a lust for money. Or women destroy their lives by the lust for money. I continue reading in Ephesians 2. Verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. The only way you can be saved is if God makes you alive in Christ Jesus. And you leave your life of sin, of selfishness. You leave the life of the cravings of your flesh. You turn away and you seek the face of God. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. God has already prepared the good works, the things he wants you to accomplish for him. And you think you can just go out and do whatever you want to do? No, you cannot. Now, I want to read one more brief passage, and then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians and focus on some very specific items. Chapter 4 of Ephesians. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Do you know what calling you have received? Have you been able to be clear about the path that God is calling you on? Or are you off the path and think everything is fine? I'm doing great. I love Jesus. I'm on my way to heaven. But you have no clue what God has called you to. He says, be completely humble. "'And gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. "'Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit "'through the bond of peace. "'There is one body, one church. "'Just as you were called to one hope, you were called, "'one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, "'who is over all and through all and in all.'" In other words, if you're going to be in Christ, you're going to have to be in his path that he has called you to. And you're going to have to take the time and energy to seek his face to determine what is the path he has called you to. This is not just wishful thinking. I'd like to go to heaven. Yes, I said yes to Jesus. I'm on my way. No, you're not. Listen. Verse 11, it was he, that is Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The word knowledge in the Greek means the practical understanding of how things work. I want you to come to a very practical understanding of how the kingdom of heaven works. I don't want to just say religious words to you and you let them flow over you and say, oh yes, I'm on my way to heaven. No. You need to be listening to the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, I hesitate to say this, but there are many today who call themselves apostles who are false apostles. Their life does not reflect that they are true apostles. There are very few apostles. There are many today calling themselves prophets, but they are not prophets. They are false prophets. I listened to one this morning. He is saying that when Roe versus Wade was overturned, God came back and took over America. And now America is going to be richly blessed. Everyone is going to be prospered who is following Christ. And we're going to come into a wonderful, wonderful time of peace and prosperity. He's lying. The storm is coming, and it is a storm of intense judgment upon the evil of this nation and all the other nations. Jesus is coming again in glory and in power. Jesus is coming again in glory and power. And if you read carefully the opening of the seals, it is Jesus who opens these seals. And there is a seal of a black horse with a financial reset. And there is nothing in that black horse that establishes prosperity in the earth again. Just the opposite. The next horse is a pale or white or pale green horse. And that horse brings death and Hades. And countless numbers of people in the world will die and in America. It is God's judgment in preparation for taking his people home And we are going into a time of intense persecution. I am utterly astonished at how rapidly America is sinking in the cesspool of perversion. But Romans, the first chapter, tells us that that cesspool of perversion is a direct judgment from God against a nation that walks in rebellion against him. Sexual lust and the perverse sins of the sexual heart are all signs of God giving a nation over to full judgment. And so that's where we are. That's what we faced. The storm is upon us. And we'd better be very certain what path we're on because our path to heaven is going to lead through the valley of the shadow of death. And many of us will die in that valley of the shadow of death. We need the full armor of God on. We're not going to talk about that today, but you may want to go to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and read carefully. You're going to need every item in the arsenal against the powers of darkness that are now taking over and flooding this country. We are not headed into some great time of prosperity. We are headed into an even deeper judgment upon this nation. Famine and death, storms, persecution, murder, and rape, Jesus is releasing this storm. He is the storm. He is the judgment. But he is also the shelter in the storm. And you can trust him to shelter you if you're on the right path. Now let me read for you what we began yesterday, just a brief review in First Corinthians, the 12th chapter. He says now about spiritual, about spiritual things. And he begins to talk about every person must have the manifestation of the Holy Spirit given for the common good. In other words, your path that God outlines for you will be to do works of service for the building up of the body of Jesus Christ. To one, he will give wisdom. To another, knowledge to another faith, by another healing, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit. He gives them to each one as he determines. In other words, Jesus will begin to equip you to do the works of service when you are on the path of self-denial you're on the path of crucifixion with Jesus and you now have been given a new life in him and the joy of the Lord fills your heart and the peace of God fills your mind. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. This is verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. And though in many parts they form one body, So it is with Christ. We are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is made up of one part, not of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not mean it would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. Now, let's simplify this. Have you ever seen a hand floating in midair across in front of your car? No, of course not. Have you ever seen a foot floating around in your house? No. A foot belongs to an ankle and an ankle to a leg. A hand belongs to an arm and to a body. And the head controls it. Paul is saying, look, don't be a body part floating out there by yourself. Then you're not a part of the body. Be attached to the body. Every part has its place in the body of Christ. If one part suffers, the whole body suffers. Now, obviously, what's happened in the modern church is preachers preach every week, and nobody does anything, basically, except maintain the institution. Give their money, do what they need to do, And there are divisions in the body. I hate it when a church begins to break into cliques. You know, that church will be short-lived. It's dead. And the Holy Spirit will depart from it. But he comes through all of this to say, look, you are the body of Jesus Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Now, God appointed apostles and prophets and teachers and workers of miracles and those with gifts of healing, those able to help others, the gift of administration, speaking in different kinds of tongues. Is everyone an apostle? No. In fact, there will be very few apostles. Are they all prophets? No, but they all prophesy, Paul says, if he has his way. No, these are special functioning gifts in the body of Christ that are to be there today as much as they were yesterday. They're needed to train God's people to be on the right path that leads to life, and then to be able to begin to function in the body. In other words, we have a responsibility to build up the body of Jesus Christ. Let me read this for you. It's found again in Ephesians. The fourth chapter, verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ." From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness now he gives some very very specific things that we must do therefore each of you this is verse 25 Ephesians 4:25 each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor in other words no more lies no more lies For we're all members of one body. How can the hand lie to the foot? In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anger gives the devil a foothold. One person said to me, but he always makes me so mad. No, he doesn't you're in charge of whether you get angry or not. It's a choice you make. You have other choices you could make. You could be curious. You could find humor in what's happening. You could just love that person and recognize that it's not your issue. It's them. It's their, uh, it's their issue. Let it be theirs. It says, he who's been stealing must steal no longer. Have you been stealing? Have you been stealing the tithe and offerings from God? Have you been stealing from your spouse or friends? It says he must work, doing something useful with his own hands. I find so many today. Of the body of Christ. And we just say, well, it's doing something useful with his hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Not not to earn money so he can live out his fantasy, but so that he has something to help others with. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all that we need will be given to us. But we are called to work, and the work very often is the exact path that Jesus has led us upon, because it is in that work that we are disciplined and become mature and responsible And begin to understand how to contribute to other people. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. In other words, no cussing, no swearing, no coarse joking. I began to listen to a man on the Prophecy Club. And as soon as he began to speak, I turned him off. Now, I like some of their speakers. But this speaker, all he knows how to do is joke and laugh. And he thinks that that's going to establish him as some kind of important person. He's not. He's a small man. He's not a serious man. But he thinks he's so important. I can't stand to listen to him. It says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Is there a hint of sexual immorality? in the way you dress? Is there sexual immorality in the way you dress? Is there impurity in the way you act? Greed. He says, these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So Paul is giving us very specific direction in the book of Ephesians, saying, Don't walk this way. These paths will lead you to darkness and death. (laughs) I don't want you to go the path of darkness. I want you to be ready for Jesus to come. Are you ready? Be careful about saying that you're ready to go to heaven if you're not very clear about the path that he's called you on and if you're not very clear about the acts of service that he wants you to perform for him. The Lord speaks. And if you'll ask him, he'll speak to you. He'll direct your path. He'll tell you what he wants you to do if there is no conscious sin and rebellion in your life. The question is, do you have the courage to lay your life down and say, Lord, I'm willing to lay my life down for you? Will you give up your life? And if you say to me, Pastor, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Stop working on it. It's not something that you can do. It's a work that you must surrender to and allow Jesus to do it in your life and in your heart. The gospel of Jesus is not about hard work. It's not about white knuckling it. It's not about struggling It's about walking in freedom and love and joy and peace. And that only comes when you're finally willing to be crucified with Christ and say, okay, my life is over. I'm done. Can I tell you, such joy fills my heart because I trust him. This morning I was very early in the hours in prayer and crying out to the lord about some very specific people that i'm concerned about and i waited to see what the holy spirit would say to me and all he would say to me was enter into my rest he's told me that before It's in his rest. Being intimate with him. That's what his rest means. It means his bedroom. It means his place of repose. That's what the actual Greek word means. To enter his rest. It's cessation of my work. But it's entering into the bedroom. So he wants intimacy with his people. And as I finished my prayer of intercession for those that I'd been led to intercede for. He just very quietly said, "No, enter into my rest. Thank you, Jesus. See, I know the path I've been called on. It's a path of, it's a very straight path. It's a very narrow path from the world's viewpoint, but from my viewpoint, it's a a joyous path of life in Christ and life with his people. And that path, straight and narrow, though it seems from the outside, has led me into absolute surrender to Jesus, where I trust him with Food and and water. I trust him with clothing. I trust him with the car. I I trust him with, with every person in my life. I trust what he's doing in you because I've prayed for you. I trust that you're speaking the truth to Jesus and to each other and to me. I don't want you to struggle. I want you to surrender. You see, as long as we're struggling, then we have some justification for not surrendering. But struggle is really just an excuse not to surrender. When I surrender, I finally say, Lord, I'm yours. My life is in your hands. If you take my life, it's okay. It's yours to take. I would rather be with you than here anyway. But if you see that it's useful for me to remain and it's useful for me to serve others, then, Lord, I'll stay. And I'll preach and I'll teach I'll counsel, I'll confront, I'll love, I'll give, I'll serve. That's my life. I have no life of my own. My life is hidden in Jesus Christ. And I have to tell you, it is a most joyous life. I don't wake up in the morning depressed and discouraged. I don't wake up in the morning questioning I wake up in the morning praising the name of Jesus and saying, Lord, thank you. I love you. I trust you. I know today I'll do exactly what you call me to do. I'll speak to whomever you tell me to speak. I'll go where you tell me to go. So this morning I've, I've spent my time praying. I've spent my time seeking his face. I've, I've spent my entire morning reading the scriptures, preparing for the broadcast. And now this afternoon I have some appointments to go to. I'm just going to trust Jesus. There are very specific things I'm waiting for him on. I'm waiting for revival. I'm I said to the Lord this morning, Lord, I'm waiting for you to come and intersect with my life and and make certain that I'm on the right path and that I don't go off the track. I know I need you to come and in your mighty power, change my direction if that's what you choose for I will not change my direction until you change it for me do you understand I I'd like to go and rent a public place and begin to hold public meetings but the Lord has not said to do that yet so I'm content to be right here Doing what I'm doing, unconditional surrender, waiting on Him, not impatient, but rather very much at rest in the bedroom of God. Hebrews, the third and fourth chapters. I'm waiting on the Lord. Did you know Jesus is very pleased when we wait upon him and not rush on and do what we think we'd like to do? Because then we're off the path. It is the Lord God of heaven who must direct our path, who will speak the guiding word to our heart. If you're not sold out as a Christian, if you're not baptized and not filled with the Holy Spirit, It will be harder for you to hear, but he will still direct your path because he wants you to come fully into him. He loves you, and he wants to remove the hindrances from your life and from your heart. He wants you to flow smoothly in the spirit. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is sitting in jail, writing his letter to the church at Philippi, and what does he say? rejoice. And I say it again, rejoice. He's in prison. Shackles. He says, I say it again, rejoice. How can he say that? Because he has no agenda but Jesus. He has no desire but to serve the Lord God of heaven. And if the Lord needs to put him in prison to give him time to write the letters to the churches then the Lord will put him in prison. And I think the Apostle Paul had a hard time staying still in one place. He wanted to go preach. So the Lord allows him to go to jail. So now he has time. It reminds me of Pilgrim's Progress. This amazing story of John Bunyan. He was in prison for 11 years. During those 11 years, he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Can I tell you that Pilgrim's Progress has more impact in the world than all of his other sermons put together? God has used this book powerfully in the lives of people. I want to be content to be where Jesus puts me. And I, just in the last minutes of this broadcast today, there's there's one more scripture I really want to turn to quickly and give it to you if I can get there in time. It's found over here in Matthew. It's out of Sermon on the Mount. He talks about... the fruit. No, I don't have time, but look it up. He says, you can tell by the fruit what kind of man or what kind of woman you're dealing with. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or thigs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Are you bearing good fruit or bad fruit? Are you bearing the fruit of confusion and anger and bitterness? Or are you bearing the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, patience, kindness? What kind of fruit are you bearing? Let's pray. Lord, I pray today for every person who's listened to this broadcast. I pray, Lord, that you will give them a very clear picture of the path that they are to follow. That path may be to be baptized and filled with the Spirit. They may be enrolling in the school of the Holy Spirit. But whatever it is that you're calling them to, I know it will be a life of humble service for those destined unto salvation. Lord, I pray you'll encourage every person listening today to allow their heart to be filled with your joy and your peace, that you would bind all fear in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would bind all sickness in the name of Jesus Christ that nothing could touch your people except through the merciful hand of Almighty God. And I will praise you and worship you. I thank you for your peace and your joy. Thank you, Jesus. I trust you and I love you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, I thank uh, my brother, Dirk, for his gift that just came in for each one of you you can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 again that's National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 also, you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find this YouTube video streaming later this afternoon. You can also give online. Thanks to each one of you who has been on the chat line. If you have not yet subscribed, I urge you to please do that. That will cause Google to go further with spreading this word of the gospel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you in Jesus, and I'm praying for you. I'll talk to you soon.